0: for brands giant leap for brand kind. You're listening to Food Chain, presented by Perfect. A big thank you to this episode's sponsor, Triple Whale. Triple Whale's powerful analytics platform clarifies your ad performance across channels, keeping you instantly in the know. Hit the link in the show notes and use promo code PERFY for 15% off today. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Food Chain. Today we have Kristen Charbo from Glow Nuts with us. Kristen, thanks for joining.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here.
0: Likewise, I've been pumped for this episode for a bit now. We've had it on the calendar for a couple months and I've been waiting for it. I can't wait to dive into your brand story and your your background and how you got to today. So let's start with that.
1: Cool. Yeah, I think the wild thing about Glow Nuts is that we weren't trying to start Glow Nuts. Grover, who is my boyfriend and business partner, he and I were just very burnt out on our day jobs. So, you know, he was working in tech and design. I was working in the hotel travel industry, working in sales. So I was always on the road and we... Decided to start a side hustle together that we thought would be, you know, quote unquote, simple. So we had this idea to start a coffee cart, and the coffee cart was going to be very, very simple—just nitro cold brew on top. We wanted it to be a little bit differentiated, so everything that we served at the cart was going to be wellness focused. So everything sugar-free, handmade, plant-based, and so we made up to go with the coffee and. We started popping up at some events. And everywhere we went, Glow Nuts were really stealing the spotlight. People started asking to buy them. Eventually, a wellness influencer in Los Angeles got a hold of them and she put them on Instagram. And we kind of went viral in Los Angeles overnight. We woke up to hundreds of DMs in our inbox asking for shipping and delivery. And at the time, Grover and I didn't really know how to ship a cold product because our donuts are refrigerated. So we basically just started driving around LA to anyone (laughs) that would Venmo us and delivering donuts to anyone that would Venmo us. And so we were doing this all out of our home kitchen at the time. And we just started like very slowly. We started with a farmer's market in Brentwood. And then just went door to door, you know, selling grownups to wholesale accounts because we figured since we can't ship, we should try to get into some local accounts. We had some really good accounts right off the bat, like Erewhon and Alfred, and the velocities were just amazing right away. I think because the product is so differentiated being that it was vegan and keto and sugar free and gluten free but also extremely familiar. Just a mini donut. Everyone knows what it is. You don't have to explain it. And so it just resonated with people. And for that reason, it it started just flying off the shelves. And so (laughs) Grover and I were working, like I said, out of our home kitchen. We would wake up in the morning. We would coat all of the donuts. And I would go deliver the donuts to our local vendors. He would stay home, clean the kitchen. I would get back In the early evening, we would get back into the kitchen and start making the donuts for the next day. And we would just do that on repeat. We were running like four food processors at a time. The lights would flicker while we were doing it because we're in like a 1930s building. And yeah, in our first year of producing donuts out of our home kitchen, we made, packed and delivered over 100,000 donuts, just the two of us.
0: That is wild that is wild. (laughs) Something that's a common denominator that I've noticed chatting with other founders and operators is a lot of great ideas start as a side hustle. And it's usually, the reason why it's a side hustle is because we're so burnt out being employees. But the funny part yeah. to me is that I probably work, I worked hard as an employee, but I think I work a hundred times harder as my own founder because the stakes are so much higher jumping. And we started as a burnt out person working for somebody. Now we're working for ourselves, working 10 times as hard. Do you find that to be similar? A hundred percent.
1: I thought I worked hard as, yeah, I mean, I thought I was working hard at the time and I, Grover and I both have never worked harder in our lives. Like we, we don't rest. There are no off days. But I do think you know, I don't like saying that because I believe that like rest days are so important. But mm-hmm. I think we both know like to take the time when we really need it. It's just there's always something to do when you're an entrepreneur and you you're a business owner. There's just always something to be done, and so yeah, it's very easy to get burnt out.
0: I I think like I think about this a lot, and I think it's partially because when we do our own thing and and switch over. I think the burnout is less of a burnout. It's more like I need to do this, and a little bit of a, I get to do this. Not many people take yeah. the plunge to be their their own, you know, boss and and the founder of their own CPG brand. So I, I think it's hats off to you guys for doing that.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I think we both wake up every day and feel like so fortunate that you know we're getting. That's what we wanted, right? We wanted to be able to call our own shots, and I mean, ultimately, you do end up. Still reporting to someone in ways, right? It's like we have a responsibility to our vendors. Like, I feel like we can't let our retail partners down. So, we're always like, you know, making sure we're getting them the product that they need. And then we want to help them get it off the shelves too. So, that's in a way I feel like I report to them, even though we are still calling the shots as far as like what our schedule looks like and when we do things.
0: So true. And even our customers too. When I was at Quest Nutrition, we had a, a super fan award and our first ever super fan, her name was Joy Rametta, And she had early on, I wasn't there at this time, but I heard stories about early on, she would email the team and say, Hey, this isn't right. It needs to be this way. And they actually listened to her and made a lot of these different adjustments. And you know, over years, I, I believe she passed, but she won our first super fan award. It reminds me a lot of that. Oh, um, I love that. So when you were Doing the coffee cart. I looked at your Instagram. I saw some of the design specs and all of that. Was it like literally the first time you brought it out that you realized that glow nuts was a thing and it was more popular than the coffee?
1: It was very apparent right off the bat. But I think at the time, we really had this vision of like having a coffee cart and then a coffee shop and, you know, maybe a coffee business that we were a roaster, you know, that was kind of the vision at the time. But I do remember like even having, we had like a friends and family launch in our courtyard of the coffee cart. It was called the Come Up Coffee Cart. And <laughs> I for all of my friends and family being in the courtyard and, and at that time, someone was like, you know, you might really be onto something with these donuts this is potentially the big opportunity. And I'll never forget him saying
0: that. It's so interesting because we had a saying at one of the brands I worked with and invested in in the past, it was a side dish. And one of the goals was always to make the side dish the main dish. And I feel that's something that you did with the donuts being like the hero of the cart.
1: For sure. Yeah, I mean, we had all different kinds of ideas of different products we wanted to serve at the cart. You know, We were playing around with coffee cakes and overnight oats because they were so popular at the time. And we just really like, we landed on glow nuts. One, because like I said, a donut is just something that is so recognizable. Everyone gets it. Everyone loves a donut, but also just from a function perspective. So we were still both working at the time and the idea was we were going to have to make something and a lot of it on the weekends that we could store and take out as needed. So when we designed glow nuts being a raw vegan keto product it was really with the intention that like we didn't want to get up every morning and have to like bake a ton of baked goods before we took the card out we wanted to just pull something out of our freezer and, and use it and so that's why they're cold and that's why they are the way they are because at the time that was what that was the problem we were trying to solve for ourselves.
0: I can't imagine what that was like. And I read that it was completely permitted and everything. So if anyone's listening, they did it legit. Like, don't worry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Like, relag. Like, it's just an epic testimony of of how hungry you guys are and were and continue to be that you did it in your house. Like, was there extra refrigerators and freezers? Or, like, what did your house look like?
1: Vasa, we had freezers in our living room. We had, like, a soda space. I I mean, we live in a one-bedroom apartment. So, it was just madness. Like the bedroom became storage. The living room was frozen storage and an office and a photo booth. (laughs) And then the kitchen was just, you know, obviously the kitchen where we made everything. And it's funny because like when we moved into this, so much of our story feels very serendipitous. But when we moved into our apartment, probably like, four or five years prior to starting Glow Nuts, the kitchen was very large and like an alley kitchen, so really long. And at the time we were like, why is this kitchen so like long and there's all this extra space and, you know, what are we gonna do with this? And the um, building manager at the time was like, Oh, well the person who lived here before you was a caterer. And so our chef and you know, they had set up a bunch of chef tables along the wall and had like a bunch of working like prep space. And so lo and behold, you know, four or five years later, we were doing the same exact thing, setting chef tables up in the alley kitchen that we didn't think we needed.
0: It's wild. I want to ask about the brand refresh. I know that Grover has a design background. Was that extremely helpful or did he butt heads at all with the design agency or what was that like?
1: Oh, it was so helpful. And I'm so fortunate that Grover is my partner in business and in life, because he really led that whole process. For me, it would have been extremely challenging because I just didn't really know what we were getting into. And so he really took charge there. Doing a brand is a lot of work. I think a lot of people think you just hire an agency and they just create something and, you know, a few months and they hand it back to you. And it's beautiful and perfect. And that's not really how it goes. I mean, you're maybe it works like that for some brands, but we had already built a strong following in LA and a community in LA when we decided to do the rebrand. So we had enough information to go off of like who our customer was, what they cared about. And we also wanted our own personalities to be in the brand. And so when you start there, it is a lot more work because you're not just creating anything. It's very personal. Mm -hmm. And day job was incredible. I mean, we loved working with them. Grover had been following their work for a long time. He loved what they did with Recess and Fly by Jing. And we both think they're world-class copywriters and very gifted at developing brand strategy and voice. And that was something that was really important to us when we were thinking about who we wanted to work with. We wanted there to be like a very strong, relatable brand voice because I think a lot of times that's people just think that brand is about the visual and the voice is so important because I think that's a lot of times what connects you with the brand. So, I mean, to kind of back this up, like we decided to really invest in the brand and hire an agency to work with because at the time, we knew we needed to change our packaging in order to scale. So we knew we needed to do it for shelf life and for distribution. And so because we were going to change our packaging and make that large investment into the packaging, we felt like we should just do this once and invest in brands. So we basically spent a wedding budget on brand.
0: <laughs> that's awesome <Whenever. laughs> it's sweet sorry I'm just, that's great
1: not surprising but yeah i mean that was why we decided it was the right time to invest in brand and choosing day job was very easy because they were one of the only ones we knew in la and because we were an la donut with not a lot of distribution it made it a very easy decision because we reached out to them and they knew exactly who we were. (laughs) We didn't have to explain who we were to, you know, a really fancy New York design agency. They got it. They loved the product and they were super fun to work with.
0: Yeah, they did a fantastic job. Like one of my favorite things, I think you guys nailed it out of, and I've got an agency too. So we worked with a ton of brands and some of them are fantastic. Most of them are. But the healthy, but who cares is one of my favorite lines ever. Like it's not taking yourself too seriously. You have all the bells and whistles and the cool features, but it's just, it's like, whatever, you know, we're a donut.
1: You know, what's so funny about that story or that line in particular is when we were doing the brand strategy and the brand visuals and the brand book, that uh, tagline actually never came up. It came out in the website design. and so. They had put it on the website as like the secondary line when you start scrolling. I don't know the technical terms of all these things, but (laughs) (laughs) Grover knows better. But yeah, they had put it there and we were like, oh, we love that. And then, you know, they did a couple other wireframes and they had changed that line to something else. And we were like, no, no, put healthy, but who cares back? It's brilliant. (laughs) So, yeah, we really loved that line, too. I agree. I feel like it's very easy to get sucked into being too conscious of health and stop and letting your life revolve around it. And so we just wanted it to be something that we cared about, but it's kind of that like 80, 20 rule, you know, you really, you still need to have fun.
0: Yeah. It's so cool. I was on a different podcast the other day and they asked me about like, how do I have so much fun with Perfi? And the first thing I told them was like, most everything I'm doing with Perfy is things ideas that got shut down with when I was an employee or with clients and it's just executing on things that have been in the notebook forever.
1: That's awesome. Um, I love that.
0: Yeah, it's just all about having fun. I think you guys do a great job of balancing it. For me it's a bit different. Like I'm a firm believer in, you know, every brand has to have some sort of villain in their story and for me I kind of poke shots at at Coke and Pepsi here and there just for fun. I've recently gone easy cuz I'm not trying to get a season desist for Having too much fun, but uh, (laughs) I definitely take it seriously sometimes. But for the most part, I'm just goofing around.
1: Well, I love Dr. Perfy. That is fantastic. I was a huge Dr. Pepper fan as a kid,
0: so thank you.
1: I love. Yeah,
0: that's definitely my favorite flavor. I probably I've got a Chevron near me. During COVID, I go there like probably three or four times a week, stocking up on Diet Dr. Pepper, and I just could not wait until Dr. Perfy was ready to go. So I haven't bought it since. But I think I have a high score at that Chevron for, for purchasing.
1: You have to go bring Dr. Purfi to the Chevron.
0: I do. I brought them the other flavors, but I'm going to bring them Dr. Purfi for sure. That's a great call.
1: Yeah, you have to. That's the goal, right? To like be in gas stations. I know like our end goal is to be a gas station donut.
0: Hell yes. We're actually we're rolling out into gas stations in February. It's a little bit of a, a secret right now, but it's definitely... Uh, I'm, I'm pumped for that.
1: Oh my God, I love that. Congrats. Thank you. And I thought, I saw you're in Publix too, which by the way, I grew up in Florida. So Publix is like the goat to me.
0: Oh yeah. We're supposed to be next to the deli with the pub subs. It's just been a, a weird, very weird onboarding that we were supposed to be live in October. Then it got pushed back, then a buyer switched desks. And it's one of those things where CPG will CPG on you, but we're still figuring that I'm, out.
1: I have so many stories like that. So yeah, I get
0: that. So I want to jump over to... So we kind of have similar stories, but in different areas. Like when you guys invested, I think it's just so dang sweet in a way that you invested your your wedding budget into the branding. I think it'll pay off. But for me, I am overinvested. I would not say overinvested. I I think I the right amount invested in ops. It was one of my blind spots, and I think we nailed some of those things early on that I would have never learned. I always cracked the joke that Perfy wouldn't have launched till 30, 2022 if I didn't bring on the outsourced ops team early. When you guys brought yours on, how much of an unlock was that?
1: So we just recently brought on consultants that are helping us with operations. We are still to this day manufacturing our own products. Grover and I are still involved in making the product on a weekly basis. Oh my God. And we have a very small team of one person that helps us do that. (laughs) So, So we are still very much in the trenches of manufacturing our own product. But we are getting very close to offloading part of the production. And then I think in about three or four months, completely offloading the production. And for both Grover and I, that is the light at the end of the tunnel for us. Because as much as we love glow nuts, like they're our babies, making them is extremely grueling work. And also, not what we feel good at. We feel great at sales and marketing and partnerships and growth. And the operations piece is just not something that we would either, either one of us would consider our strength. Mm -hmm. So, our consultants are, they are our saviors. (laughs) Yeah. We love them so much. And it's funny because Grover and I have this conversation a lot about if we went back, could we have, You know, would we have done things differently? Would we have invested in operations and scaling manufacturing first before investing in brand? And I, I, we keep kind of coming back to the same answer. And as pretty as that sounds, I think we had to do things this way because we just, didn't know where to go. We wouldn't have known how to find consultants when we were moving from our home kitchen into a commercial kitchen. What helped us find our consultants was moving into the commercial kitchen and meeting other founders and other operators that led us to them. So yeah, I think it's it's very easy to look back and be like, shoulda, woulda, coulda. But ultimately, things happen the way they are meant to. And I
0: really believe that. Agreed. Yeah. I think... I think every founder and every brand has their own kind of roadmap and it it shakes out the way that it should. For me, I had to take an educated guess on where do I suck the most? And it was R&D and ops. It's literally, I took an inventory of like, you're not good at everything, dude. Like figure out where you do the worst at and and just take care of that the right way. And I'll tell you, I think about the same thing. Would I change it? And the answer is I don't know yet because I, I definitely lost more dollars than I wanted to with some... I would say suboptimal execution on my first round of branding. Like, I won't go too deep into it, but it was kind of tough to read and some of the contrast wasn't good enough. And I'm so pumped that those labels are getting out of the market and we're replacing them with 2.0 labels as we speak. It was a huge loss. Like, yes, we were able to salvage some sales out of that, but I think it really inhibited us from being more successful earlier, even though I'm grateful for where we're at. I feel like I learned a lot from customers and I learned a lot from experts in the field and I applied those notes. And would I have changed it? I still don't know. I want to lean towards yes some days and I want to lean towards, I wouldn't change a thing, but either way, only upwards and onwards from here.
1: I think packaging in general is one of the hardest things about this whole business. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I say this all the time. I'm like, packaging is a foreign language. I mean, it's definitely the thing where we've had the biggest roadblocks over and over again. And I think when you don't work in CPG or in manufacturing or operations, it definitely becomes harder to to do it, right? Because you kind of have to learn everything first, or there's just a lot of research involved. So like, for example, when we did our packaging change, like we did film on the inner pack and that was for extending shelf life. And, but there's so many versions of film. There's like Met Pop and Met Bop and Met Pet and (laughs) what does it mean? (laughs) And, And like rewind and love with, and, you know, they would always, we would ask the film producers, like, Oh, well, like, which one is good for this? Or, you know, what does this mean? And they will be like, Oh, just go ask your co-packer. And we were like, No, we are the manufacturers. We don't have a co-packer to ask. And so, like, always, like, we just it took us so long to figure out packaging. And even now, I think, you know, as much as we love it, there's still a lot of things that are not quite right. You know, like, it's our boxes are very tall, so they don't fit on every shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, vertically, the way we intended them to be was vertical. But then it's also like the dumb luck that we had with the packaging is like it was designed where you can read it like horizontally or vertically. So some shelves, it's vertical and some shelf it's horizontal. And that just kind of worked out well for us. But yeah, packaging is, is extremely hard.
0: I actually recently, it's like similar to the three-sided branding. I saw somebody on LinkedIn, I forgot who it was. It was a beverage brand, so that's why I took note. They didn't brand like, you're supposed to have three sides branding it when you go into Costco, because you never know how they're gonna lay out the palette. And oh. I forgot who it was, but that's something to watch out for too. I was like, oh, I got to put that one in the you know, in the tool belt for whenever that time comes. It's not just like a looks thing. There's actual tactical reasons for when you go into Costco and how you should set your branding up, pretty wild.
1: Wow. Yeah, we're going to need a mentor for that when we get to that road.
0: Yeah. And I work with brands that are in Costco and it seems pretty like they're very open to conversation, which is pretty cool because we're designing it. Sometimes it's like, oh, dang, there's all these things we didn't even know about. Um, so we're doing multiple revisions, but a lot of things to watch out for is that like, the reps will will help. But even then, like, yeah, this, you've got to have a mentor, some sort of advisor to help out that's done this a million times over.
1: For sure. I so, feel that way about so many
0: areas. Of yeah. One of my biggest weaknesses is that I don't ask for help enough. So like I'm not on Twitter saying, Hey, what should I do here? But I think that when that time comes, I'm not sure if you're on Twitter, like people just tweet random things for help and it's so cool how supportive they are. It can be pretty damn toxic and you gotta probably mute some some words on Twitter. But yeah. there's so many people <laughs> that are helpful on there where you can pretty much ask anything and it's like like crowd brand building almost.
1: Yeah. For sure. Grover is very good with like figuring out where to find the information. Like he's great with Twitter and all of like the social channels. I think like one of the things I'm very grateful for about this industry specifically, and you know, I've worked in other industries and I didn't find it to be necessarily the same, but everyone here just seems very open to helping and having conversations. And so a lot of the decisions that we've made and the progress we've made has been based on conversations with other founders who have just been very generous with their time and taking calls and answering questions for us.
0: That's awesome. That's so cool. I think more people should do that. I've been asked for my investor deck before, and that was like a little too personal and I was kind of weirded out by it. But other than that, I think it's always cool to help others that haven't done it before. And at the end of the day, to be honest, i I don't think I know shit. I'm still learning every single day, even though I've been doing this for a decade. I, there's so many things that I'm trying to learn and add to the the tool belt as I go. But I try to help as much as I can.
1: That's the fun part of it all, though. It's like every day you're learning something new. And then you're like, does my brain have capacity to learn this other new thing? And sometimes you feel like it doesn't. And you always find room for it.
0: Yeah, I, I even have... So I think that watching Netflix is a waste of time, but I love it so much that I have to multitask by learning something on my phone or studying the movie or whatever it may be. Bonus points if it's based on a true story, just so I'm not wasting that time. But it is how I find my balance, even though I'm multitasking and studying.
1: Yeah, we are big TV junkies. It's like how we unwind. I used to like, I wish I could say that, you know we unwinded other ways, but TV is it for us. Because I think we just don't have any energy at the end of the day. After being at the kitchen for like 12 hours, all you can do is lump.
0: <laughs> yeah, I should rephrase it. I watch Netflix like two hours a night to unwind, but I have to study at the same time. I think me and my girlfriend went through all of Game of Thrones in like in two weeks. It was pretty ridiculous, and it might be a world record.
1: <laughs> that is definitely a world record. That's like yeah. nine seasons.
0: It was a lot. I just remember that we we couldn't peel ourselves away from the the TV. It was I think last year. It was last year for sure. And we and we were on like calls with our team at the agency, just randomly saying Hodor. It was pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> oh man so one of my questions was has there any ever been a time and this is my fault on this one i didn't know that there was a really cool serendipitous celebrity that talked about the product were you able to capitalize on the demand that that created once you guys commercialized and were able to ship
1: which one are you speaking of? I'm sorry. Oh shit.
0: The first one. You you didn't say who, so I'm I'm imagining that's like defcon five, like confidential, uh but the time where the someone posted it and that's when everyone started hitting your DM saying, Hey, where do I buy this?
1: Oh, that was really early on and it was a wellness influencer that I have really like been following for a while and loved her content and yeah, she shared us and Yeah, I mean, we that was when we started driving around and, you know, delivering Glow Nuts to anyone that would Venmo us. So, but it was like, you know, a handful of people here and then somebody else would share them. It was like at that time, we were so difficult to get because we could only deliver glow nuts within however far we would drive while we were still working our other jobs, you know? So because they were hard to get, it kind of like had this flywheel effect of people would buy them and then share them and that would lead to more more orders. But again, it was just, we didn't have the infrastructure set up at that time to like take online orders and really capitalize off of that. It was just the very start of our business. In fact, we didn't really introduce direct-to-consumer shipping until February of this year so with like our official brand launch and the new packaging and everything because that was when we were finally able to ship the product because of the new packaging
0: do you guys ever like for old time's sake go to a random person with a box of glow nuts and say hey you got Venmo
1: (laughs) (laughs) no but I have now I will like you know I now like started to kind of carry glow nuts with me a little bit more and give them to people. If I happen to, cause it's LA, you know, like you mm-hmm. run into people all the time that you would want to have your product. So yeah. Who did I recently do that? I saw, I think Luke Wilson. I saw him recently mm-hmm. at Erewhon, I think. And so I bought him a pack of glow nuts and gave them to him.
0: So, um,
1: so. Yeah. And then I'm a big, like, I'm a big Bravo junkie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, any, like, Bravo celebrity that's ever had Glow Nuts, those were, like, the times where I just, like, lost it. So, like, Tom Schwartz and Katie Maloney, they both shared Glow Nuts on Instagram. Again, pre, like, official launch. And those were big moments for me and Grover.
0: That's awesome. Like, I would probably lose my entire shit if Hodor posted about <laughs> <laughs> Like. I mean, I would lose my mind. Like I can't, yeah. it'd, be, it'd be so awesome. I can't imagine that feeling. And it's going to happen one of these days where I can't believe who tried it.
1: I know, I know, right? Like I'm just waiting for the moment when I wake up and like Lizzo has tried Glow yes. I That's the moment where I will completely lose it.
0: Yeah, it's such a cool feeling. Like I've had those for other brands as we worked for them or Outer Isle. I think when Paltrow posted about it, just organically, that was pretty cool. Working yeah. with, them. it's just, it's always the funnest feeling, but I can't wait to have that big one for perfy.
1: Yeah, I'm dying to be a part of Buena's Wellness Wednesdays.
0: She has oh, yeah. that every Wednesday. <laughs> it'll happen. Like,
1: someday, someday it'll be glow nuts.
0: I'm so pumped for you guys. Like what you're doing is so cool. I I don't know of any other brand that's glow up donuts. So good for you, man. That's it's so exciting. Great branding, great story. You know, like some of my favorite brands. I've had some really cool people on food change. Hector from Tia Lupita. I work with Outer Isle and Jean the founder made all of the sandwich things in her her own oven. And until the filament broke just a couple of years ago, they were still using it. Quest Nutrition, wow. Shannon was making them in her house. And like there was something called a guillotine. And it was like this crazy metal thing. It actually looked like some sort of medieval torture device. And they would press down on the huge slab of product and it would cut the bars. And that's how they would make the bars at first. So it's a long winded way of saying I love these stories where it started out so, so scrappy and makes me happy.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what's been inspiring us the whole way is hearing other stories like this. One of the like I said, I was we were big into podcasts when we were making glow in our home kitchen and we were always listening to how I built this and like the R X bar story is just so, so good. The Lara Bar story. I mean, there's so so many inspirational stories. I think one of the things that has always stuck with me about like the Lara Bar story is how she was just like demoing at every whole foods that she could get to and so that's been kind of our strategy is just like very grassroots like demo 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 at every mm-hmm. you know major retailer we get into because i do think that's one of like the best ways to sell your product is to just get in front of the customer share your story have them try it and it goes a long way
0: yeah i'm big on demos now it's for me like everything is so competitive it's not just beverage it's not just functional soda but i'm it's one of my favorite spends is demos like i don't really spend on digital advertising at all coming from that yeah. background it's all about demos for me too but one quick thing you mentioned one brand and this is kind of like a pop trivia not too many people know about this but i actually almost left quest nutrition in 2016 to go to rx bar and i i met with their founder and i feel bad because i reneged on my offer it was for personal reasons that it ended up like being the right choice. And you yeah. know, I think eight months later, they sold a Kellogg's out so of have and probably fired and living in Chicago anyway, wondering how I get, I want to get back home. But yeah, I, de- <laughs> I definitely interviewed there and it was really cool people. I'm just, can't tell too many people about it because you never know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mad respect for RX bar and, and too. So all good things.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't have much more i'm going to link to your store locator i'm going to link to so people can find you i know you just um are now available in whole foods regionally so congrats on that we'll link there
1: thank you.
0: Uh, we'll link to the website we'll link everywhere
1: amazing thank you so much this was really fun
0: likewise i had a great conversation with you all right, all right. okay bye